ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Welcome into the Golf Channel Podcast. I'm your host, Will Gray, and today I'm pleased to be joined by LPGA Commissioner Mike Wan, who has led the LPGA since 2009 and has been the man at the helm for some some great growth and increase, not only in the number of tournaments at the LPGA, but the prize money that the best women in the world are playing for. And we get into a variety of topics. We talk about the new Augusta National Women's Amateur, how that impacted the ANA inspiration. We talk about the baby boom on the LPGA and potentially maybe some new events to be announced in 2020 or 21 as it pertains to men and women playing together. So again, this is our interview with LPGA Commissioner Mike Wan. Check it out. Mike Wan, LPGA Commissioner, thank you much for joining us here on the Golf Channel Podcast. And I'll get right into it. I think that that certainly one area of interest from the general golf perspective was was just last month in terms of the intersection of the ANA inspiration and the Augusta National Women's Amateur. I think that there were a lot of questions about how those two events were going to coexist. Certainly, I think that they, from from our perspective and my perspective, I think it went well. But I'm eager to hear your thoughts on on how year one of those two events uh, coexisting, so to speak, went and, and your thoughts on the future? Well, I think Augusta did what Augusta does, which is it brings a huge, uh, huge presence, huge awareness to anything that happens inside those uh, hallowed grounds. And this is really great that we got to see women walk up that 18th fairway and we got to see women putt for a win. Um, and I think it showcased the strength of the women's game that's on its way to the LPGA, both in terms of the two players that got showcased the most, but there's plenty of other players there that are on their way to the LPGA, either soon or in the future as they finish their college and amateur career. So I think it, um, I think Augusta is going to really help create an awareness of the next wave of LPGA players. That, in comparison with the, with the ANA inspiration, you know, our first major, our probably our most um, tradition-based event with the Leap and Poppy's Pond, and you know, all the young players today can tell you about players they saw mm-hmm. walk down that 18th and go for it in two and leap in the pond. So it's a pretty cool weekend in terms of celebrating women's golf across the board. Is there a thought? I mean, certainly we're only one year in, but but down the road, could you see maybe there being a separation of those two events in terms of? Uh, perhaps moving moving the ANA inspiration one week here or there to to allow amateurs to potentially play in both. Yeah, I definitely could uh, see a separation. The, the interesting thing is, you know, you talk to a fan, they're like, "Well, just move it," and then <laughs> because they don't they don't want to hear about all the other things that right. go in with the quote, "just move it." So on the LPGA, we don't have a a lot of weeks where we can get 20 to 30 hours of live TV. That week is is one of them with the Golf Channel. For us to get the same amount of TV coverage, we either have to move two weeks earlier, the Founders Cup week, or two weeks later, the week after 
um, the, the Masters. Um, both of those have their own logistical challenges. Two weeks earlier is problematic for the club and all the things they have going on and have scheduled for years in the future. Two weeks later has got some challenges just as it relates to Palm Springs. It's Coachella. Mm-hmm. You know, the ho- you know, hotels are full. Um, a lot of the local uh, folks who live in Palm Springs leave you know, right after the ANA today. So volunteers and support on the golf course is difficult. As you know, the weather gets pretty hot by the time we leave on Sunday and pretty windy. So we're moving into different weather conditions. So we don't want to move ANA inspiration and not get the same amount of TV coverage, both in the U.S. and worldwide, that that event has had. But I do think it, it would make sense if we could. We're looking at that in terms of, but but like I said, I'm not in a hurry right. to do anything because that event is a home run. The, uh, the Augusta Women's Amateur is a home run. So when you have two home runs, you don't have to really make any hasty decisions but could it be beneficial to separate the two not really has anything to do with players to be honest with you i mean i know you asked about amateurs but i think amateurs having great choice is great the real challenge is from a media perspective what do you cover Mm -hmm. and the media has asked us you know is it possible to move you know to move these two because what really got hurt for us and the ana inspiration was the amount of weekend ana ANA inspiration coverage not the amount of tv not the amount of fan interest not the amount of social media but mostly just uh, media coverage and so if we could move those and make it easier for the for the media to cover both, it'd be the best for women's golf. I feel like the story of 2019 is, uh, many storylines, but one of the big ones is just general scheduling overhaul. And that is not necessarily isolated to the men's game. We've seen next week we're going to have the, the PGA Championship in May, but you guys from the women's game are moving majors around as well. We've got the Evian moving up to July. You have a situation now where you have back-to-back majors in Europe. What are your, your thoughts on that and the level of excitement of having that two-week stretch of some really important golf? Yeah, it's funny. I always tell, whenever we make a major scheduling change, there's six women's tours around the world that go, oh, come on, because now <laughs> they got to go change their tours. And I always say, guys, we've all got a big brother or a big sister that we're, I have to follow what Jay and the, what the PGA Tour do. When they make changes, I have to make changes. I don't play during the Masters. I try not to play during the Players' Championship, mostly because it'd be difficult to keep a sponsor happy with the lack of media and TV coverage. So when they make changes to their schedule, I have to make changes to my schedule. And I realize when I make changes to my schedule, then a lot of tours around the world have to do the same thing. So we're all, and Jay's making changing, schedule changes to deal with the NFL and when the NFL starts. So we all have somebody else we're trying to mm-hmm. trying to schedule around. So that doesn't make it unique. I think as it relates to the to our European swing, our goal long term is to go over and play Europe three or four weeks in a row in one swing and have two majors be part of that swing this year in particular um, so we're moving Evian into the week it'll always be in which is that second week in July the British Open through the RNA really wants to move back one week so we'll have Evian play an event in the middle which would be Aberdeen Lady Scottish Mm -hmm. and then the British this first year we couldn't move the uh, women's British until next year so for this first year they'll actually play back to back not the end of the world those are two about as different a major as you can have so it's not like you're playing same course, same conditions. Um, so it's not perfect to play back-to-back, but it might be pretty interesting for one year. It will not be a long-term phenomenon. We've seen a lot of impact in terms of just general with Tiger Woods' win at the Masters. I'm interested to know, you guys are coming off of two weeks on some, some very sneaky good go- golf courses out there on the West Coast. And I wondered, have you started to see a crossover impact in terms of general interest with some of these LPGA events just based on the increased overall interest in golf following Tiger's win? Yeah, what I would say is Tiger's win at the Masters was the crescendo of an incredible comeback. But even last year when Tiger played and he was on his way to his Tour Championship win, 
Uh, he was changing viewership. He was changing interest. He was changing the water cooler discussion on Monday in most corporations. So he was bringing golf back into the main sport discussion. When that happens, it helps us as well. I mean, a lot of times, especially on our, on our West Coast swing, the PGA Tour will play from 3 to 6 or 4 to 7, and then we come on from 7 to 9 or 7 to 10. And that, um, that carryover audience is good, for, is good for our viewership. It's good for the game. So, um, yeah, what in, in the old adage that, you know, uh, that he raises all boats yep. is true. I mean, Tiger, uh, Tiger moves the needle and we are affected by the needle. So um, it does require us to be pretty creative on scheduling, because if we're playing <laughs> on the exact same time of a Tiger attended event, it's sometimes pretty tough to yeah. compete with. But I think uh, the great news is Tiger makes golf more relevant uh, than ever before. And when golf's more relevant than ever before, Mike won in the LPGA win as well. Very good. I, I think I can agree with that. Uh, I saw last week Lexi Thompson took a, a hiatus from social media. You actually went on, on Twitter yourself and echoed support for, for her and that decision. I wondered what your, your thoughts are in general in terms of sometimes maybe the double-edged nature of social media. Certainly, it's a vehicle for you guys to get the word out, to promote players, to promote events and storylines. But there is sometimes that, that negative feedback that can kind of seep in and, and sometimes affect players in a negative way and certainly... Uh, as we've seen Lexi, Lexi taking a break, but I wonder what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I, th I joined Twitter when I was, I think, 47 years old. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, I probably wasn't real apt at the time. And I, re I didn't really want to join Twitter that at the time the tour and the LPGA thought it was a good idea. Um, but I can You're speak not bad, to, by the way. I I can, say, yeah. Thank yeah. you. I can speak from experience that sometimes it's tough to wake up in the morning, have seven people call you the worst commissioner they've ever seen, and then go to work and be fired up about uh, and my wife. I'll be driving on the road sometimes. We're on vacation and she's driving and I'll read them out loud because you got to laugh sometimes. Yeah. It's just, hey, hey, do your job. Hashtag, you know, what I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking, OK, that's great. And my wife always says, why do you read those? And I said, well, you can't read the good stuff if you're not going to read the bad stuff. But I can't imagine doing that at 22, 23, 25 years old. I can't imagine um, because whether you say you're not going to read the bad or the good, of course you do. You know, we're all type A's and we tend to tend to glance at them. So to me, when I hear a player say I'm taking a break from social media, I'm both jealous and I'm supportive because I think sometimes just getting away from other voices. I have to do that a lot in my job, too. I mean, when when we launch a new event or a new schedule, we make major change. I know before I announce it that 50 percent of our following isn't going to like it. Sometimes they just don't like it because it's change. And if you allow yourself to um, to always follow the fear of of those of that feedback, you tend to not want to make change. And I, the players didn't didn't don't want a commissioner that's not willing to push for bigger. I don't want players that aren't willing to really push their game. And if you're going to break down your swing to get better next year, you're going to get worse for a while. And you have to be willing to take the critic comments along that process. Same is true in commissioner. If you want to. You know, if I want to bring a new event, if I want to bring the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational Team event, and some people don't like team events, I have to be able to do that, hear those negative feedbacks, but make sure that I'm going to create something positive for the tour, for my fans, for my media. So you, um, I, think it's really, uh, I think it's really a smart choice. I wish all of my players could once a year say I'm taking a, a two-month hiatus from social media. For them, for their fans, and sometimes just being away makes you, makes you realize why you were doing it as opposed to just – just doing it. So I, um, I encourage it. I wish more players would take Lexi's, uh, would take Lexi's advice. You stole my segue because you <laughs> are making changes uh, and it, it pertains to the Dow Great Lake Bay Invitational in terms of a team event coming to the LPGA. And we saw just a couple weeks ago, the Zurich Classic in its third year on the PGA Tour, and that's had a lot of success. So what was the genesis from your perspective to creating a team event? And, and secondly, how has it been perceived by the players? Well, I, I, I pride myself and my team in being pretty innovative and bringing new ideas to the marketplace. But if you're 
going to be innovative, that means you have to watch when other people are innovative as well. I thought what Zurich did with the PGA Tour a few years ago and going to that team event, I remember sitting there watching it thinking, this is magic. We should be doing this. Our players would embrace this in such a significant way. The fact that they figured out how to do it and still affect their their, their FedEx Cup points race. Now, our, our, our DAO event will have official CME points. The fact that it has official money and, and your race, ours has official money. I really loved what they built. And I thought, you know, it'll just be fun for us, our fans, really for our players to play this event. And I mean, and, the, and we've already, we just are starting to announce teams today. You know, one of the teams is going to be number one in the world, Jin Young Ko, partnering with number two in the world, Minji Lee. That's about as good as it Pretty gets. Good. You know, Lexi Thompson is partnering with Christy Kerr. In their time on Solheim Cups and UL International Crowns, their team record together is 11, 1, and 2. I mean, that's a powerful team. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, Inji, Inji Chun and Lydia Ko. What a cool pairing that is. So I think it's going to be really neat. I think I've heard people say that I don't know if the Zurich thing is right. And I said, the only thing missing on Zurich is the names of the top 20 players in the world. We just have opened up the field and six of the top 10 in the world rankings are already in. So I think you should expect to see the best in the world playing in a team format in Midland, Michigan, July 15 to 20. I think it's going to be a home run event for us. One of the other teams that is going to be there, and we'll probably catch some eyes, is Suzanne Pedersen making her return uh, after having a baby. She's going to be teaming with Katrina Matthew. And, and I just want to get your thoughts on the LPGA baby boom. This has been a, a wonderful change over the last 12 to 18 months. We've seen a lot of the biggest names in women's golf, having babies coming back, Stacey Lewis, Brittany Linscombe, Drina Pillar. What's what's it been like for you to try and adjust? I know you've adjusted some maternity policies and, and eligibility. There's a lot of back end stuff that, that has to go into it, but certainly it's got to be a good problem to have, and not even a problem with that, but just a change for some of your biggest players. Yeah, I think you know, I I think all of our athletes are incredible role models and stereotype smashers in the world, but. 11 moms on tour, three more pregnant and going to have kids this year. I mean, these are these are game-changing uh, ideals for young girls. To turn on the TV and Suzanne and Katrina playing with their kids watching. I mean, this is uh, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, 30 years from now, you're going to be doing a podcast and interviewing some <laughs> LPGA player, and she's going to say, I remember when, you know, Stacey Lewis came back from giving birth and, and won. And I remember Jarena Pillar was a, was a favorite of mine and she gave birth and brought her kid back on tour or Christy Kerr hugging her son when she won the CME group tour championship. These, um, these are the kind of things that, you know, sometimes on tour we take for granted. Like I walk into to our traveling daycare, you walk into Smucker's daycare and you see eight kids running around. And sometimes for me, it's just, it's just Tuesday, but I walk in there sometime with a sponsor or a media person. And they're like, What's going on in here? And I'm oh, this is our, our traveling daycare. First off, they've never even thought about traveling daycare, but we've had it since 1995. And the second is it, it hits them that you've got moms on tour. These are the best female athletes in the world, winning in the toughest conditions in golf has for women's golf. And at the end of their round, they're, uh, they're, they're feeding their kids dinner, reading a bedtime story, and trying to sleep. And I, you know, every, every once in a while, I think we take for granted what an incredible – um, moments these are and what uh, what differences they're probably making in the eyes of 9, 10, and 12-year-old girls all over the world. Yeah, I remember I heard Stacey Lewis talking at the ANA Inspiration. She said it's a little difficult to have a 1 or 2 o'clock tea time when the kid's getting up at 6 o'clock 
regardless of when you're you're starting your day. And that's you know, it's certainly- funny. I was I was at ANA, staying in the same hotel as Stacy, and uh, and I had a call with uh, with China at five thirty in the morning my time, and that happens all the time in my world. So I went outside and was sort of walking down one of the kind of we were we were on a golf course in the hotel we were in, and I was walking down the fairway path, and I saw this person walking to me. I'm thinking. Who's out at 5:30 in the morning? Because I'm out here walking, so nobody can hear me. And as it gets closer, it's Stacy <laughs> carrying her baby at 5:30 in the morning. I'm like, "Hey, pro!" And she's like, "How you doing, Kamish?" And I, and I thought to myself, you know, her tea time's like 1:15 today, and at 5:15 she's out walking with her baby. It's um, those are the kind of scenes that you don't see on TV very that often. Is, that is sure. Uh, a couple more for you, and then I'll, I'll let you get out of here. But we saw a lot of uh, attention went to the Vic Open and a co-ed event in terms of having men and women play on the same course and, and for the same purse. Is that something down the line that you could you could foresee maybe an, an LPGA sanctioned co-ed event in terms of in the U.S., a domestic event where some of the best women in the world are playing against the same against the men on the same course? I think you should definitely um, both count on and prepare for more male and female um, events where we're playing together, same golf course. It may not be just like the Vic Open. It may not be two golf courses cutting to one golf course, 156 apiece. It could be a team competition playing together. It could be uh, made for TV events. But what I would tell you is whether you're talking about Keith Pelly, uh, Jay Monahan, um, or, or quite frankly, any of the other male tours around, we're having conversations with all of them about specific events, not conceptual anymore. A couple of years ago, it was pretty conceptual. Uh, now we're actually uh, working on specific events. Then the things we'll announce for 20, things we'll announce for 21. Um, I feel fairly confident to tell you we'll, let, we'll announce at least one, probably two more kind of male-female combo events. Like I said, may not be exactly how you envision, just like nobody envisioned Vic Open exactly as it was. But um, the idea of our athletes playing together under the same camera on the same golf course in a similar format, is uh, those are coming. And one last one before we let you go. From, from a commissioner's standpoint, when you're sitting in your office, what is your preferred scenario? Do you prefer to have a situation we had a couple years ago where NB Park is a dominant player winning three majors in a row? Or do you prefer to see a situation that we've kind of evolved to where there's a little more parity and you can step up to a major or any event, you can say 8, 10, 12 women have a great chance to win at the drop of a hat. What's what's your preferred avenue for yep. even just promoting the LPGA? You know, it's funny. I, I answer this question a lot, and, and you started this question by as commissioner. So as commissioner, I'm going to answer. I get that from a media and a fan perspective, they'd probably want one dominant player. Because if you're in the media and we have one dominant player, you got to get to know her, her background. You come to the event she plays in, and you probably don't come to the event she doesn't play in. And you really can tell the LPGA story in one Serena Williams article right I mean you can if you understand Serena you probably understand women's tennis at least you could play that way um, from a from a commissioner perspective like you asked the question the best for sure for me is depth of field depth of support and most importantly depth globally I want great players from China great players from Korea I want great players from Japan great players from Australia great players from Europe great players from America great players from Canada why because my business is creating fans worldwide and selling to be perfectly frank selling my TV rights all around the world the business of the LPGA is to put on incredible events that have great hometown feels to it you know when we go to Midland, Michigan. Midland, Michigan is going to embrace this thing like never before. And so are all their partners. I mean, Siam Cement Group is partnering with them to launch the partners and everything else. But what's going to really happen is we're going to have this really cool hometown event in Midland, and we're going to let the world watch it because we're going to sell the TV rights to that event all over the world. What's really, when the LPGA is at its best, like it has been the last few years, great young athletes are coming from all over the world. So fans in all of those countries, Thailand, Singapore, Taiwan, Australia, Korea, uh, Mexico, Canada, 
all want to watch these superstars. They want to watch Brooke. They want to watch Gabby Lopez. They want to watch Jin Young Ko. That's uh, as a, from a commissioner perspective, that's when it just can't get better than that. I always say that I'm, when I watch the NBA, I really think when the season starts, there's about seven teams that could win the championship. When I watch the NFL, when it starts, I think any of the 32 teams <laughs> could win. And I think that makes the NFL better. When you watch the LPGA, we've played 11 events so far this year. We've had 10 different winners. Um, last year, I think we had 26 different winners in 32 events. It is wide open and deep in terms of the field. So I think that's as good as it can get in women's golf. I think that's what um, that's when a sport's at its best. I think seven NBA teams to win might be a little high. But we'll, <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that. Mike Wan, commissioner of the LPGA. Listen, the golf season is just about to hit its stride, and you guys are no exception. you got a big summer ahead. The Dow team event, back-to-back majors, with the Solheim Cup at Glen Eagles. Lots to be excited about. I appreciate you taking the time to be on the Golf Channel podcast with us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Golf Channel Podcast. I'm your host, Will Gray, and thanks again to LPGA Commissioner Mike Wan for joining us. Remember, you can access the Golf Channel Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Art19, search for Golf Channel. We will be there recording this episode. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.